sit back and watch for the bullshit because you know what's coming. You know what's coming. You know what's coming. You know what's coming. You know what's, you know what's Brian Simpson, I'm your host, Brian Simpson. Of course, that's who I am. Who else would I be? We're going to be heavy on the black history. I didn't get any letters that I thought were, emails that I thought were interesting um, this week. So we're just going to, we're just going to dive right into it. Um, We'll kick it off with Esther Jones. Esther Jones. Uh, well, you can't really talk, tell the story about Esther Jones without talking about Helen Kane. Helen Kane uh, was an actress slash singer um, in the late 20s, early 30s. She was really famous. Um, and her and her manager one day went to the Cotton Club in Harlem and they saw the dopest shit they'd ever seen in their life. They saw Esther Jones with this style. With the short hair, with the finger waves, with the, uh, <laughs> and she'd invented or she was credited with starting this new style of what they called baby singing. This boop, doop, dee, doop, 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 you know, shit. And uh, after seeing that performance two weeks later, Esther Jones' whole style changed up. All of a sudden, she incorporated the boop, the doop, the doops in her her style. Her whole visual changed up, all that. And uh, and she went on to be highly successful for changing the game and all of that. And uh, some years later, uh, Fleischer Studios invented what uh, would eventually become Betty Boop. And they didn't need, I mean, they they were clearly copying Helen Kane. They they weren't even trying to hide it. It was a direct, you know, jacking of her style, of her look, all of that. And Helen Kane was furious. She harnessed her white lady rage. She took them to court. Okay. She charged them with you know, taking her style, creating unfair competition, all of those things. And of course she lost because the defense claimed, hey, you didn't even invent this style. You stole this style from baby Esther. And here's the proof. Now, by this time, Esther was dead, but they had recordings of her and they had the testimony of Helen Kane's manager saying, yeah, Helen sounded one way, then we went and saw baby Esther, and then two weeks later, Helen came to the studio, sounded just like her. You know, so, you know, of course, no one considered giving baby Esther's family any money, but that's America, you know, in the 20s especially. Baby Esther probably knew Helen Kane was jacking her style somewhere. And it was just nothing she could do about it. I mean, that I don't think a, a black woman suing a white woman in the 1920s probably unheard of. Um, so it was just nothing she could do. I mean, uh, in, in her defense, 
was crazy. She tried to say, no, I didn't steal this stuff from baby Esther. See, it started out as a body da 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 da. And then that evolved into the booty doop doo 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 doo. And then that turned into the boop boop doo doo that you that you love and know today. She tried she tried to vanilla ice him. <laughs> you know how vanilla ice <laughs> how vanilla ice when he got caught, when they found out that like the intro to Ice Ice Baby was just ripped the fuck off from the intro to I'm the best y'all. People in the streets. And Ice 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 Cube uh, Ice Ice Vanilla Ice tried to say oh, you know, no 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 you know what one of the beats is don't 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 and the other beat is just don't 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 see it's it's a it's an extra don't <laughs> oh man that's comical uh yeah fuck you vanilla ice to this day every time I hit don't 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 I think I'm going to hear Under Pressure. And about half the time, I'm wrong. It's Ice Ice Baby. I used to do a bit about it, but it, it really does bother me to this to this day, to this minute. Uh, and don't get me wrong. Ice Ice Baby was a huge part of my childhood because it was the main song in that Ninja Turtles movie. And I was all about some Ninja Turtles at the time. Uh, but then I developed tastes. You know, everybody loved that Ice Ice Baby at, at some point. I mean, yeah, but that's, that's neither here nor there. The point is, there's a large history in America of stealing, straight up stealing from black artists, you know? Um, it wasn't even cultural appropriation. We'll get to that. But it was just straight up, just theft, just bold-faced theft. You get nothing for your culture. We'll profit, we'll profit off it over here, you know? That's what cultural appropriation is, really. I mean, look, you know, Baby Esther invented it, the boop doop doop. Boop boop doop. Helen Kane stole it from her. Boop boop doop. Fleischer Studios stole it from Helen Kane. Boop boop doop. The boop, <laughs> and then we, and then it comes full circle. J Rock is just living out. Yeah. I'm for it. I'm for it. One of the best albums of the year. Um, but yeah, cultural appropriation. It's uh, the conversation around it often gets the, the the waters get muddy because people try to, you know, I don't like stupid people speaking for me, but it happens a lot because we live in a Time where everyone has a voice. That's a good idea. Um, but yeah, that's the, the price you pay. When you when you empower people, the price you have to pay is that all of those people get power. 
All those people are empowered. Even the shitty ones, even the stupid ones. And so that's, that's what, that's what we're dealing with right now with social media. Everyone gets a voice, even the stupid people. So a lot of times you have people arguing on your behalf and they don't, they don't know how to argue. They don't know the finer points, those sort of things. And so, you know, they end up sometimes attacking the wrong people or attacking in the wrong way or for the wrong reasons. You know, because listen, cultural appropriation is not, uh, I mean, what happened to Esther Jones is the most blatant form, you know, which it, it has happened to countless black artists. You know what I mean? I mean, that's why more people know who Elvis is than Chuck Berry. Elvis is the king of rock and roll and Chuck Berry uh, invented rock and roll, basically. You know, I mean... But, the, you know, but I don't have to name people that y'all don't haven't heard of or don't listen to or whatever. I'm, it's just you can look at modern, modern stuff. I mean, look at Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus is a perfect example of cultural appropriation. It's not you uh, mimicking a culture. It's not you indulging in a culture. It's not you paying homage to a culture. It's you extracting value from another culture. While the people that actually live that culture don't get anything. You know, it's so, so again, you know, it's, it's, it's the sort of thing where it's like, like hip hop. Miley Cyrus was perfectly happy using hip hop. All the good and the bad that come along with it. She was proud to use it to bolster her bad girl image, right? Oh, I'm not a little, I'm not a teeny bopper anymore. I'm a, I'm a bad girl. You know, look, look, I'm, I'm, I'm twerking on rappers. I'm being defiant and all of that, right? And then she went too far with that shit. And she realized she had to make a change real quick. And she just shed that shit. She came out and said, oh, I can no longer, I'm no longer about what hip hop represents and all of this bullshit. And that's what I mean. Cultural appropriation is that, see, black people don't get to, we don't get to shed it. You know? You know, cultural appropriation is when, is when there are, there are negative connotations placed on the people uh, whose culture it, it belongs to. Did I did I say that right? There are negative connotations placed on the people that actually own the culture when they display their culture. But then when you, when white people uh, adopt your culture, now it's the new trend. It's trendy. It's acceptable. It's no longer unprofessional. You know. You can't wear dreadlocks at work, John. That's unprofessional. But when Molly does it, oh, wow, look, it's the new trend. Look, it's on the cover of Vanity Fair. It's, that's cultural appropriation. You know? It's the same thing we're doing, the same thing we're doing in Mexico. We're more than happy to have, you know, I don't know, half the fucking streets and towns 
named after. We're more than happy to enjoy all of their recipes and their cocaine. And, uh, I mean, we we more than happy to open the next fusion food truck with a different kind of, you know, with a quinoa tacos and all that dumb shit. But we don't want the Mexican people. No, no, no. So I, I just, this, this, but this has happened a lot. You know? The big mystery, the big question mark was Rachel Dolezal. I don't, I, I, man, I still don't know where I stand on that. You know? Because so many people are upset with her, and rightfully so. And I watched she, she has a documentary on Netflix, The Rachel Divide. Uh, and I watched that. And, you know, I learned a lot of things that I didn't know about her. Um, did it cause me to have more sympathy for her? Yeah, it did. If I'm being honest, it did. Should it have? I don't know. I guess that's debatable for some people. Um, and and maybe maybe I mean a, a lot of that is. You know, is the price she paid too high uh, for what she did? Uh, maybe. I don't know, because it, it feels like there's not levels to the shit anymore. You know what I mean? Because Rachel Dolezal, think about this. Rachel Dolezal, she's guilty of pretending to be a black woman. Right, and uh, she caused the NAACP up there a lot of issues, um, but that's only because she got caught pretending to be a black woman. I mean, if she, and actually, I mean, they exposed her. Really, um, it was it was actually really her parents that uh, that exposed her because they wanted to discredit her um as a witness in a lawsuit against their son who was molesting their adopted black daughter that's you know at least that's what the documentary was implying but but i just mean it's weird to me that like it's like she if it, it's like she got a worse penalty than She got a worse penalty than somebody like actively trying to harm black people. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like permit petty. Yeah, she might have lost her job or something like that, but she good. Right? Barbecue Becky's good. She's doing well. That dude at the pool, yeah, he got fired or whatever, but he'll get another job somewhere. The internet will forget about it. Rachel Dolezal, no one is letting that go. She can't get a job nowhere. Like you would think she, you would think she set a pile of niggas on fire or something. Like, but we don't. We that's the thing is like the internet wants its pound of flesh. <laughs> there's no, there's no, there's no, there's no measuring. There's no middle ground. We either 
you know, it's like when the internet is just this beast that when it gets turned on you, yeah, it might rip you to fucking shreds. And it and it's not, it's not, it doesn't care what you, it's not measuring what you did against what other people did. The punishment is whatever we can get away with, however thoroughly we can destroy you, that's what's gonna happen. So, yeah, I mean, does it sound like, ew, it kind of sounds like I'm taking up a Rachel Dolezal, but I'm not. I'm not, I'm not trying to defend what she did, but I'm just saying, why is, why, why do we, why we let Miley Cyrus eat out here? You know, she, Miley Miley Cyrus just threw, she just threw black culture in the trash once it didn't sue her anymore. And Rachel Dolezal still, think about, I'm just saying, think about how easy it would be for her to just admit does she stop black? She, I don't know why she won't. <laughs> I don't know why she won't, but she just won't. And it would be so easy for her. And you know what? White folks will welcome her back with open arms. She can just say, I admit she's not black. Change her name. I don't know. Because her, <laughs> her expertise is African-American studies. Where the fuck is she going to get a job? There's nowhere. <laughs> There's nowhere she could possibly work where people don't know who she is. I mean, and her credentials don't mean shit because they have Rachel Dollars all on them. So even if she changed her name, I mean, I don't know. She had to move to England or some shit. I don't know. You know how she's surviving? Doing hair. Those are the only people that didn't abandon her is the people whose hair she's been doing all this time. She could braid like a motherfucker. She could braid like a mom. And black black people don't, we don't give up on stylists. That's a that's a that's a strong bond right there. Like it's like old black people have a strong bond with their pastor, and young black people have a strong bond with their stylists. You don't cheat on your I don't cheat on my barber. I go at the same time. Every other week, because I'm poor, I used to go every week. I go every other week, same time. I sit at the same chair and I wait my turn. And if he's busy, I don't I don't go to the next nigga. If he's on vacation, I just look bummy for that week. You know, because I got I got a weird headline. I'm not trying to explain shit to the new nigga. I, don't, I ain't trying to do all that. I still think fondly on the best barbers I've ever had. Sometimes I, I think back and I go, damn, man, I wish D was here to do my fade. Gave me the best fade I ever had. I wonder what that nigga's doing. I think, <laughs> I think about my barber more than I think about my ex. Ain't that some shit? Um, <laughs> yeah, man, a good barber is hard to come by, man. You gotta have the right chemistry and they're all that. Anyway. Uh, yeah. It's it's a uh, it's I don't know how we turn from from, from to to turn into taking taking up for Rachel Dolls because that's really not my goal. But I just I think it's just it's just kind of disgusting how like there's no degrees. There's no like usually when the internet gets to punish you, 
the internet usually punishes people who need to be punished, but the punishment usually doesn't fit the crime. You know? Because a lot of times the internet is the only thing that will punish you, that can punish you. But a lot of times it's like, you know, it's the same punishment for the dude that steps a little bit over the line as it is for the dude that dives the fuck over the line face first. I mean, if you go ridiculously over the line, you could be president. Ain't that crazy? But should, should, should I don't know. Who, who am I to sit in judgment? Because, yeah, fuck it. If you hurt people, my scrutiny doesn't start with their reaction. So, yeah. Most of them deserve, like, I don't feel, because I feel, because if I'm being honest, I feel a little sympathy for Rachel Dolezal. I do. I do. I, I, like, I feel nothing for Barbecue Becky. Or is it Betty? Whatever, Becky has a better ring to it. I feel nothing for Barbecue Betty or Permit Patty. Or what are they calling the dude at the at the swimming pool? Whatever. I don't I don't feel sorry for any of them. I don't feel the slightest bit of empathy. I know some of them lost their jobs or they or they just got embarrassed or they they became memes or whatever. Yeah, you fucking deserve it for sure. But that's an easy one. Rachel Dolezal is not an easy one for me. Fuck. And, and and I meet a lot of people that have strong opinions about it. They're very certain. And I wish I had that certainty, but I just don't. Something doesn't quite feel right about it. Anyway. Uh, moving on to uh, one of my civil rights heroes. And I know a lot of y'all have heard of her. Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman, Underground Railroad, yeah. Harriet Tubman, she's one of my favorite people. Um, she was just so badass. She was so badass. I'm talking about from the get-go, like Angela Davis, real, just from the womb to the tomb. Um, she was born Araminta Ross. They called her Minty, <laughs> fresh, in, uh, in 1822. She was born in, she was a slave in Maryland. A lot of people don't know that Maryland had slaves, like, because they think it's not the South or whatever. And I mean, I guess people from the South, no, Maryland isn't the South. I mean, it's not the South, it's, it, it, but they had slaves at this time. Um, So we got a little backstory here. Harriet Tubman, everyone know, we, we all know about the Underground Railroad, and we'll get to that. But I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you some things you didn't know about Harriet Tubman. So, or you may not have known. Um, so when she was a, when she was a child, she got sent to the store by her master. And when she was at the stores, there was an incident with another slave from another plantation. He had like run away or something and his master was chasing him and threw 
a heavy metal object. And I can't find what that is. Nothing says what it is. But he threw a heavy metal object at the slave he was chasing and missed him and hit Harriet in the head. I'm sorry, at the time, Minty. Hit Minty in the head. Um, so Minty gets taken back to her uh, her master's house. They they leave her land in the parlor for two days. No medical treatment, no nothing like that. Um, so, and this is important because she started to develop um, uh, uh, not narcolepsy, hypersomnia, right? So excessive sleepiness or time sleeping. So she she was just tired all the time and would fall asleep a lot. Uh, damn, did somebody hit me in the head? So she, uh, she had hypersomnia, but also when she was asleep, she would have these crazy vivid dreams. She, she considered them visions. And this is important because these visions, uh, she was very spiritual that way. She, where, you know, she listened to her visions. And uh, and this is going to become important later. Um, she she honestly believed that these were visions from God telling her what to do and guiding her along the way. So she believed she had like a a a specific you know connection to the Lord. Right. So you know. So fast forward to the future. You know she she endured a lot of things that a slave child uh, would endure. Um, and uh, she finally makes it to, you know, her teenage years. And her father, Ben, uh, was what they call manumitted from slavery, sometimes called uh, a gratuitous manumission, which basically just means you're, she he was freed by the grace of his master. His master declared him free. Um, so... Yeah, if you if you feel in any kind of way about a, a a damn slave owner, like oh there were some good ones, no there weren't, motherfucker, because they they could just free a slave if they wanted to just by their word, you know, um, and and a lot of them chose not to. Ben, the way Ben got free was Ben um, Ben didn't belong to the same master, so but but his previous owner put it in his will as a stipulation of, for selling Ben, right? Minty's dad. That when he turned 45, that he would be free. And his current master honored that, right? Now, Harriet, somehow, she contacted a white attorney, paid him $5. What she get $5 from? Paid him $5 to investigate her mother's legal status. Now that lawyer discovered that a former owner had done the same thing, issued instructions to Harriet's mom. I keep, okay, I keep mixing up. I keep calling her Harriet. She's not Harriet yet. She's still Minty, right? Her mom is Harriet, writ for sure, at this time. So this white lawyer found out that a previous owner had basically done the same thing with Rick. Like her husband, she was supposed to be manumitted at the age of 45. I might be saying manumitted incorrectly, but 
I discovered this word from reading it. I haven't heard anyone ever say it, so I'm going to say how the fuck I want to say it, all right? Correct me at your own peril. So, the record showed uh, that a similar provision would apply to rich children and that any children born after she reached 45 years of age were legally free, okay? But the people that own Harriet and Rick, the Pattisons and the Broduses, just ignored that shit. What you gonna do? Take me to court? You a slave? You don't have no rights? Ooh, that shit burns me up. So it was done. It was nothing they could do about it. They just knew. They knew they were supposed to be free, but they they just couldn't do nothing about it. That shit burned Harriet up. She, this is now you now you understand it. This is what shaped Harriet Tubman right here. These, these events of cruelty and unfairness, you know, where it's like apparently these previous masters saw some reason they loved Harriet's mom and dad so much. They wanted them to be free at some point. And these new masses was just like, I don't give a fuck. And and this is what this is this was gonna come back to haunt them. Uh so uh Harriet got married uh around 1844. She married oh, God, I keep calling her Harriet again because it's hard because I've known her my whole life as Harriet. So Minty uh Minty marries John Tubman around 1844. Now, John was a free man. Um, Because at this time, there was a lot of free people um, in Maryland somehow. And, but, but, but at the time, the law was that, you know, whatever your mama's status was, that's what you were. So, uh, so any, any children Harriet had would have been slaves. You know, and, and and that's how I went down. Now, I, I called her Harriet again. I might re- no, I'm not. I'm not gonna re-record it. Fuck it. I live with the mistakes. So, um, so this is the time that uh, that Minty, our mentor, changed her name to Harriet. Okay, this is what this is when she this is when she she transformed. Okay. Her, her, her she 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 got sick again. Her her dizzy spells and sleepy sickness increased. She basically became worthless as a slave. How are you gonna have a slave to keep falling asleep? Right? And her owner, Ed Brodus, that yeah, that same Brodus, uh he tried to sell her. And um, you know. This this pissed her off to no no degree. She was really angry about it. Um, of course, nobody wanted to buy her. Um, but he was trying to sell her, so she prayed for him. She ooh, she prayed for the man. She prayed for him to 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 be a better person. She was asking God to change, help him change his ways. And uh, he he kept bringing people to look at her and try to sell her, and eventually. Somebody bit. And right as their little deal was being concluded, and this is this is from Harriet, or this is from Minty, she uh she changed her prayer. Like once she realized, oh, he's gonna sell me. And she stopped asking God to change him 
and started asking God to kill him. <laughs> That's some cold shit. Like, look, I'm not, I'm not a religious person, but you got to understand Harriet Tubman's mentality at this time. She honestly believes that she has a special connection with God, that he speaks to her in visions and these sorts of things, and that her words have power. And, her, and according to her, and I quote, she says, uh, I changed my prayer. First of March, I began to pray, oh, Lord, if you ain't never going to change that man's heart, kill him. Kill him, Lord, and take him out of the way. Now, if you really believe that you could talk to the creator of everything, and you was like, hey, Lord, <laughs> kill this motherfucker. <laughs> Man, that's, that, yeah. So, uh, why is that so funny to me? So, uh, a week later, he died. Ooh. Now, if she had any doubt in her powers before this, that shit was erased by this. He died just before the deal to sell her and break her family up. You know, but the the the, uh, the irony here is that uh, uh, his death actually increased the chances of her getting sold because it left everything to his wife and she didn't want to deal with slaves. She, she started trying to sell everybody. So she was going to break her family up anyway. Okay, This is when she changed her name to Harriet. She turned, she, she transformed from Minty to Harriet. It was like, a, in her mind, it was like this spiritual transformation. She, you know, she named herself after her mama and she was on a mission, you know? So she ran away. She ran away with her, her and her two brothers. And, uh, and, uh, and that was sort of, you know, the start of the Underground Railroad. Now, her exact escape route, that first escape, is unknown. But uh, but she used she she started that network of the Underground Railroad. Uh, she 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 made it all the way to to, uh, to uh, Philadelphia, I believe, and 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 it, and then it hit her like, damn, you know, it's just me and my brothers. But like, what about the rest of my my family? Like, they, they should they should taste this freedom too. Cause, cause when she made it, when she made it to freedom, it really, really affected her in a way spiritually. She just the the taste of freedom was just so sweet to her, and she just needed everybody she cared about to, to have to, to have that same taste. Yeah, and she went back thirteen more times, uh, give or take, and she rescued between seventy and ninety more people, depending on who you ask. It doesn't stop there. She was a, she later on became a spy during the Civil War. Uh, she later on uh, became a nurse during the Civil War as well. Uh, she ended up being uh, one of the first black women to own property. She ended up owning her own property. And and one of the dope one of the dopest things about Harriet that and and, uh, and this is one of the misunderstood uh, things about her. She uh, 
Well, well, before I get to that, first she she did fight in the Civil War. She uh she she was one of the few women to lead a raid um, in the Civil War, where she freed seven hundred more slaves. So yeah, her her tally her tallies up to about nine hundred. Let's just call it a thousand. Yeah, she was killing shit. She was also uh, a huge part of the beginning of the women's suffrage movement after the Civil War. Uh, so, anyway, one of the uh, one of the one of the most interesting things I think about Harriet Tubman is uh, uh, is that she was known for carrying this pistol, <laughs> right? And a lot of people assume that the pistol is was for uh, for shooting, you know, dogs or white men that were chasing them or whatever. But no, this pistol that she carried and was reportedly quick to use was for anybody trying to run back to their plantation. You know, all them house niggas that's like, I know I'm, I don't, I don't know about that. I'm gonna go. Th- I'm, I'm, I would feel better with massa. Not if you was with Harriet Tubman, you wasn't. You was, you was either coming or you was dying. But you sure the fuck wasn't going back. Oh no, nah. and go and and then give it away the rest of us away? Nah, nigga. We going to Philadelphia. <laughs> I wonder how many niggas she shot. Oh man, I wish I would have been there to see that. Just those kind of people. Cause I meet those kind of people now. Like you I, sometimes I do this in my mind where I uh I think to myself, like, nigga, if this was slave times, you'd be one of them niggas that had to run back. You know, that I had to threaten with a gun. I had to threaten you with a pistol to keep you from going back to Massa and snitching on everybody. See, those are worse than those are worse than the permit patties and the and those types. You know what I mean? The the the, the infiltrators, the, the the people that like turn on their own people like on some bullshit. Cause it's they out there. It's black people out there that do the same shit than permanent pet. Excuse me, I'm uncomfortable. There's other black people around. Do they have a permit? It's, it's black dudes out there that do that. And black women out there that do that. They've been so whitewashed and devoid of their own culture and not comfortable around their own people that they be on some permit patty shit, for sure. And I just, when I meet those people, I just think to myself, motherfucker, you would've, yeah. Harriet would have shot your ass. Um, yeah, but anyway, she was born in 1822 and died died in 1913. So she was 90 and 91 years old. Yeah, she was a she went from slave to free. She went from slave to escape slave to helping other slaves escape to being a spy during the war, to freeing more slaves during the war, to being a nurse, uh, to being an activist. And uh, and she died almost penniless. But uh, but she was cold, man. She was, she, she, she had that spirit. I just, I just admire her. And I love that pistol. 
if you would like to contribute uh, anything to the podcast, just email me, bswithbriansimpson at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter and uh, Instagram at shortwideneck. That's one word, short, wide, neck. Um, or email me at bswithbriansimpson at gmail.com. Get your questions answered. If there's some favorite person from Black History that you want to talk about, let me know. Talking, they working hard, niggas barely call the splinter. I'm all up in the.